Welcome back to the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast. My name is Josh. It is Wednesday night when we're recording here in the Twin Cities area. As always here with Troy. What's up, good buddy? What's going on? Not a whole lot. What's going on with you? Just living the podcast life, man. You were at a baseball coaching meeting. What went on there? Yeah, I had to talk about the season coming up. I am an assistant coach because I cannot deal with parents, so I do not do head coaching. So that was fun. We just got our season game plan, figure out tournaments, games, all that stuff. Yeah, hockey season's over and baseball is beginning. A lot to get to today on the show. Before we get started, though, just want to remind everybody that the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a Patreon podcast. That means that we rely on support from listeners like you to help us cover our expenses and keep the show rolling, continue to produce more and hopefully better hockey card content, and help us fund initiatives even in a small way to grow the hockey hobby. Right now, you can take advantage of our Out of 99 support level tier, and for only $5 a month, Troy, you can support the Hockey Card Gong Show via Patreon. You can also get exclusive access to the Hockey Card Gong Show Discord server. Super easy to support us. All you got to do is go to HockeyCardsGongShow.com, our website, and click on the Become a Patron button. Or you can go to the Patreon website, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. There's also a link in the show description for whatever podcast app you are listening to us on. And finally, if you visit our Instagram or TikTok in our profile link, there's a link tree that has the link there. All right, Troy, ready for the game plan? On today's show, we begin with the greatest player to wear, number 69. Then we take a look at our favorite inserts from the most recent hockey card releases. This is followed by Hobby News and our weekly look at our favorite hockey cards in the current PWCC weekly auction. We finish the show with new product releases and our listener mailbag. All right, Josh, we are on number 69. Hockey's most famous number 69 per the Hockey Writers article on greatest player to wear each number is Andrew Desjardins. I think yep. one of the funner names to say. Yep, one of definitely one of the funner names names to say. This might be the shortest overview we've had of these. Not a lot to choose from, but I'll get to that later. All right, Desjardins, overview. He was a center. He began his NHL career by signing as a free agent with the San Jose Sharks. Played in 408 regular season games over a seven-season NHL career. Desjardins started his career playing four and a half seasons with the Sharks before being traded to the Blackhawks, where he played the rest of his NHL career. Awards and accomplishments. Hey, there's not a lot, but guess what he does have? He's a one-time Stanley Cup winner with Chicago in 2015. Respect that. Yep, respect that. For his career, Desjardins has 23 goals, 41 assists for 64 points during the regular season. He made the playoffs in six of his seven NHL seasons, compiling a stat line of three goals, five assists, for eight points in 53 playoff games. Is this an early April Fool's, Troy? No, it's not. This is what we got. But you'll see why when we get to the fun fact section. I'll be patient. I'll be patient. Be patient. Best season of his career from a point standpoint was a tie between his 2011-12 and 2013-14 seasons. In 2011-12, Desjardins had four goals, 13 assists for 17 points in 76 games played. During his 2013-14 season, he had three goals, 14 assists for 17 points in 81 games played. So I I read all that just to tell you the most points he's had in a season is 17. Here's (laughs) the deal. 
Here is the deal on Desjardins. This is what I could attest. I do. I remember the name, obviously, because it was fun to say. But from all the information you could find on his career, basically what he reminds you of or what he was was a grinder who worked his tail off and got to the NHL, even though he was not an offensive threat, as we've seen from the stat lines. He started his career in the Central Hockey League with the Laredo Bucks, then went to the ECHL with the Phoenix Roadrunners, then to the AHL with the Worcester, it must be Worcester Sharks. I'm probably saying yeah. it wrong. Finally being signed as a free agent by the San Jose Sharks of the NHL. So he was never drafted by an NHL team. He just caught on in the CHL and kept working his way up. And they got signed to the AHL affiliate of the Sharks. And they eventually signed him to play in the NHL. So he played seven years in the NHL. Then he went overseas and continued his career after his time in the NHL was done. And he got a Stanley Cup out of the whole thing. Yeah, not every career in the NHL starts like Connor Bedard's will. No, especially right, when we we're... Just, yeah. <laughs> well, especially when we read these are the most famous players of our age number. Obviously, this number is a little different, but we're giving you the best of the best usually. But actually, I really enjoyed reading about this guy because it's one of those stories you like to see. You know, just maybe not the most talented guy, worked his tail off, made the NHL and got a cup and called it a day. Fun facts. Here we go. For some reason, the number 69 is not a very popular number in the NHL, with only two players ever wearing it. Obviously, Andrew Desjardins and Mel, I think it's Angelstad. So we've only had two players to choose from. And actually, I'm going to throw in, I read this after I wrote my notes, but Desjardins was asked why he wore number 69. And the reason was, it was the number the Sharks gave him in training camp. It was actually his training camp number. And we showed up to the rink when he made the team. That's what number was on his jersey. So he just kept it because he was a rookie and he couldn't change it. Why do you think many players haven't worn the number 69? Because it is, we'll just say it's kind of got an adult tinge to it. So we'll leave it at that because we're a family-friendly show. I know most of our listeners know why. Um, But it's interesting to know, too, Desjardins did change his number when he could. I think he went to number 10. You'll have to explain it to me later then. (laughs) All right. I'll do that. All right, here we go to the cards, and boy, whew, we're struggling. Only one graded card ever in the PSA database. A 2012 Panini Titanium Metallic Marks Autographs, PSA 8. Actually, I say one with a PSA grade. There was another one that's got PSA DNA certified, mm. and that was a 2012 score. So I'm guessing that might be an autograph that stays certified, but it's either one or two. I'll, we'll say two, just to be nice. He has two graded cards ever in the PSA database. A little bit better on the BGS side. We have four graded cards ever at BGS. One is a 2010-11 Dominion with a BGS 9. The other three are 2015-16 Upper Deck Day with the Cup cards, all BGS 9 grades. Hey, so at least he gets high grades on his cards. I guess that's good. His rookie card. We're just going to go with this one. Is a 2010-11 Panini Dominion number 216 serial numbered out of 199. That's what I'm choosing. I couldn't find much else. I couldn't find any specific sales of this card, but there are some parallels that have sold all less than $10. So you can really, if you can find this card, you're going to get it cheap, but that's what we got. I don't mean to laugh, but this is the first guy I think that's had so few cards and not even any type of hobby love whatsoever, but it is what it is. Still fun to research. 
So what have we learned? That players don't like the number 69. Yeah. I know I think it's more players aren't allowed to win. It's not like football where you have a hundred guys on the on the lines or on the team. So there someone yeah. has to have that number. I guess NFL's like fifty some, but do you think that right now is the most any type of hockey related show ever has talked about Eric Eric, right? Desjardins? Andrew. Did I say Andrew. Eric the whole time? No, I probably said Eric. That's that's how much I've already forgotten. <laughs> is, well, Andrew Desjardins. Dude, you, got I, me, I don't you, think... you got me nervous for a sec. Maybe I did. Was there an Eric Desjardins? I don't know. Whatever. It's Andrew. We're, we're talking about Andrew Desjardins. If I called him the wrong name the whole time, I apologize. That's probably me. We'll find out in editing. Okay. Well, we're going to stop now and move on to our favorite new inserts. If you're a gong show OG, like I know a lot of you are, and you go back to our very first shows last summer, one of the first things we did was lament, Troy, if you recall, how we were sad at the time that there wasn't better hockey inserts mm-hmm. coming out of new sets and took a little grief from that from some people, but still kind of our opinion, and I think we'll we'll stick with it. As I was looking back at all the new sets that have come out really since the beginning-ish of the season, I would say, I thought, actually, I've been pretty pleased with the inserts that have come out. I think we're still missing in the hobby that big insert that we were referencing last summer, like the downtown or color blast, the type of insert that is really a big chase. And actually another thing that made me think of this, did you see, I'm sure you did the whole, like whatnot, that football breaker, I think it was called their retail Kings where the breaker essentially took the cards off camera and hit a downtown. I mean, you could see it like he, you could see the outline of it and he just moves them, whatever he did. What didn't, I listened to, they had Sportsman Nonsense had the owner on, and he actually was talking about the whole situation, how they fired the guy. I felt kind of bad for him, but not the guy that got fired, but the owner. Well, that whole situation aside, one of the takeaways for me in that was just how sought after and chased these downtown inserts are and how there really isn't something like that in the equivalent, I guess, in the hockey hobby. And like one of the sets we've talked about for a long time, getting again further off of our tangent here that could use something like that is SP authentic, but I digress. So while there hasn't been a major like hobby loses its mind insert over the last few months, I I think there has been a number of good ones. And so we thought it would be fun to sort of list our favorites and kind of go through like why we like them. And if we think that they will have maybe legs over the long term. So I don't know if we want to go back and forth or just kind of each go off our list, but uh, I'll start Troy with my favorites, I think how many did I come up with? Like four, maybe. Uh, yeah, the first one just, that I want to highlight. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say just through yours because then I have a couple that are the same as yours. <laughs> okay, we'll do it that way. First one that I wanted to highlight is Metallics, which was released in 2021-22 Skybox Metal Universe Hockey. We had actually seen a prototype of this at the Fall Expo, and kind of had my eye on it ever since. Interesting note on this card is even though it's spelled M-E-T-A-L-X, where you would think by looking at it, it's like Metal X, the actual pronunciation or correct pronunciation of the name of the card is Metallics, which means for the first time ever, we know the correct pronunciation of something. It just feels like a little bit of a miracle to me, Troy. I really love sort of the, any sort of like metallic-ish finish to the card. It's a very shiny card. It's got kind of like a chrome border around it. Kind of a simple design, but from what I understand and talking for the folks at Upper Deck, a little kind of newer printing technology went into it. And maybe some of the negatives, I, 
I think that there have been some condition issues, whether it be centering or corners, maybe edges, stuff like that. So if you're looking for one on the secondary market, you want to be picky and make sure that you have good photos. Hobby pack odds for metallics weren't super rare. They were one out of 240. So if you compare that to like a Jambalaya at one out of 720 or Platinum Portraits, one out of 1,920, those are definitely a lot more rare, I guess, or rarer. I should say. Hold on. Hold on. We got math problems. So Metallics, you're saying, is one out of every 240 packs, but Jambalaya is one out of every 72 packs? 720. Okay. Jambalaya is 720. And Platinum Portraits is one out of 1,920. So 1,900 and change. So again, at one out of 240, not as rare as some of the other inserts that we've seen in Skybox, but... It's kind of, I don't know how you put it, like de facto rare in that the checklist is actually pretty big. There's 70 cards in the Metallics checklist. So if there's a certain player that you PC or that you're targeting, like let's use Connor McDavid as an example, where there's 70 cards in the checklist, the odds of hitting any Metallics are one out of 240 packs. That means that it's like one out of every, what did I have here? 16,800 packs. Again, you would have get that player that you're trying to look for in metallics. So pretty rare from that perspective. Biggest sellers of the metallics insert to date, there's a Trevor Zegras that went for 250 US on January 22nd. Then there's a Cole Caulfield that went for 166. So as of this point, so pretty affordable, not as definitely big of a chase as some of the other inserts we'll, we'll talk about or some of the other even inserts that came out of Skybox this year. What do you think of the metallics? Do you like them? I like them. I've never actually seen one besides the prototype, though. I haven't seen one in the wild besides that prototype one we saw. But when I saw that, they're really cool. Really look cool looking. It's one of the cards I'm going to be seeking out a little bit at the expo and trying to find some while I'm there. Okay, so that was Metallics. The next one we've talked about before, but I really, really like. Might be my favorite, actually, of the most recent releases. And that would be Population Count that first appeared this past fall in 2022-23 UD1. Will also be in series two that comes out in about a week. I love the fact that it's from flagship too, right? And it's not an insert that you'd have to spend like four hundred dollars on mm-hmm. a box for or something like that. So I think that's a bonus for me. I also think this is one of those inserts that not many people would have predicted would be a big hit. Just going off of the sell sheet or the checklist when it came out. To me, it's also emblematic of the upper deck crew and their willingness to try new stuff out that sometimes you're gonna try stuff out that the hobby is like what the heck is this? And other times you're going to have big hits, I think, like population count. Another thing I like about population count is that it has a combination of more common parallels. So you have the population count 1000, population count 500, but then you get some really rare ones too, like starting at 25 and 10 and then down to the 101. And what the number one thing that kind of really sucked me into this card, Troy, is that when you get into those like 50 or 25 or 10. I think it's what they call like the deco foiling around the card really pops and makes it look kind of, it's kind of real intricate foiling and shiny and colorful and and makes the card look uh, really cool. So I mentioned it was first released in series one last fall. There are 30 cards on the checklist. There were five rookies trying series one. So you had Maddie Beneers, Owen Power, Marco Rossi, Ken Johnson, and Matt Boldy. Some of the more notable veterans were Ovechkin, Shesterkin, Crosby, McDavid, Pasta. It's also going to be in Series 2 that comes out, like I said, in about a week. 
There's another 30 players on the checklist. Here's the kind of the fascinating thing. And I didn't know this until doing research for this little segment here. You might have caught it when you looked at the checklist last week. It's all rookies in series two. So you're going to have a Sanderson, Kochekov, Matthias Michelli, Noah Cates, Lucas Reichel, Shane Wright, Jack Quinn, Yurach Slavkovsky, Dylan Holloway, Andrea Kuzmenko, just to name a few. So there's 30 rookie population counts coming out in series two, which is kind of cool. Been a lot of sales for population count since it came out last fall. 788 secondary market sales. Biggest ones where there's a Beneers pop count 10 that went for 900 US in December raw. There's a Boldy pop count 10 PSA 10 that went for 800 in January. A Beneers pop count 25 raw went for 711 US in January. And an Owen Power pop count 10 SGC 9 went for 700 US in January as well. So pretty high numbers for these cards. The one thing in that I still haven't seen is one of the pop count ones yet. Have you, have you seen one either online or I have not an e- Probably eBay or still in sitting in a box, right? Cause there's five of them technically. Cause there's five players or no, there's five people. Out. There's 30. So 30 of them. There's out 30. There. Yeah. I'm sure I just have missed it, but definitely one hasn't sold yet, but I, I'd be kind of really curious to, to check that out. So my second kind of favorite insert in the last, you know, mm-hmm. nine months has been, the population count to go with metallics. The next one is one that we've pretty new and people have talked about a lot, but I'm a real big fan. I'm actually a big fan of the 16 bit that came out in Allure a few weeks ago. I'm a child of the eighties who put many hours trying in my Atari 2600 and my Nintendo. So this insert speaks to, to me in, in that regard. And per Billy's interview on our last show, uh, Billy Celio from upper deck, upper deck commissioned artists to do these which I think is kind of cool. I like when they bring in artists with a real specific goal of design of creating art cards around cards. And I think there's been, okay, some, a few complaints about maybe, I don't know if you've seen this, but the McDavid photo, somebody will think, well, that looks like Ryan O'Reilly or something like that. And so maybe about does the design of the card match exactly what the, what the player look like, looks like. I don't know. I've also heard, some people talk about Troy that instead of portraits that they wish the players were more like in an action shot. That would be nice. Or, I guarantee you that's think nice. so. I, why yeah. not? I, I, when you come to the realistic part, it's a 16 bit picture. It shouldn't be realistic. None of those True. games looked realistic. That's part of the fun of 16 bit. I know they were 16 bit and we were talking about eight bit with Nintendo, but I like that, that they're kind of off a little bit. They're pixelated. That's the fun of it. What was the old hockey game? Was it just Nintendo Ice Hockey that had the skinny guys and yep. like the fat guys? There's Nintendo Ice like, Hockey. Then there's you had Blades of Steel, which you could fight in. And yeah. Atari had a really bad hockey game on the 2600. It was like, I don't know, the rink was about five feet long, it seemed like. I remember having that play in that game. You could put poor Phil Kessel in one <laughs> ice hockey. Oh, my God. Now I want to have a whole uh, evolution of hockey games podcast. We talk about like Wayne Gretzky, 64. (laughs) You're on your own there, buddy. One podcast is enough for me. Okay, back to 16-bit. I would say these are the big hit of Allure. Yeah. I don't know about you, but to me, I think it's the card that people are talking about from the set. The secondary market sales support that. The highest-selling single from any Allure cards for 2021 is a McDavid 16-bit that sold for 876 U.S. dollars via eBay on March 19th. There's also a Novechkin that sold for 608 U.S. 
And then the next one down was there's a couple of Jack Hughes that sold right around 390 US. Because the set was unannounced to like an Easter egg insert, sites like Cardboard Connection and Beckett, and Beckett have been updating their checklist on the fly. So like Troy, if you go to Cardboard Connection, they have 25 card, 25 numbers listed. Yeah, they don't have everyone. <laughs> no, they don't. There's only 18 that are filled out. So some of the known ones are McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby, Pasta, Makar, Jack Hughes, like we know. Kaprizov's one of them. I wouldn't mind having that one. Yeah, Those are probably the biggest names. I didn't see any 2021 rookies. So I wonder if that'll be a twist when they bring it back next year. And of course, another name on the checklist is uh, Ryan O'Reilly. So you can definitely get O'Reilly'd if you, if you end up pulling one of the 16-bit. And then the last insert that I want to highlight, Troy, is from the Cup, the most recent release. And I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not. This might be one of those where I'm like defending Hundo P things, but I really like the Lamplighters insert. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking it up right now because I can't remember it off the top of my head. What's it in? The Cup. 2020? Oh, it's in yeah. the Cup. Oh, I know what you're... Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotcha. So it's the big... What do you call that? Like the police light? Like the red light? Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, I think you're on your own island with this one. Really? Well, is it's a like a tinted acetate, right? And then I think, and then it's got the player on top of it, but I don't know. I'm kind of becoming like a sucker for like gold and silver yeah. autos. I will say the gold autos look nice. The rainbow kind of foiling of the lamp lighters, but I don't know if I like them inside a red light. It looks like they're in a snow globe or something. I know it's not round. It's not exactly a circle, but <laughs> I don't know. I like the gold. Light. That might be the a gold ink. Gold ink's cool though. The ink is the what kind of really makes me gravitate to it. There's 59 cards on this checklist, so it is a bigger insert checklist than you'll typically see, like a lower and like 25, 30 or less. There's a mix of legends, so they have like a Gretzky, Eiserman, Brett Hall. There's some vets too, McDavid, Drysaddle, Crosby are on the checklist, and then there's a bunch of rookies, with the notable exception of Kaprizov. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't want to put a sticker on it. In general, not super tough odds. I think you get one in every five tins. But with a checklist of 59, again, it's going to be really hard to pull a specific player, like if you're really hunting a Gretzky, as an example. Then there's also a predicted tiers of odds. I'm not going to go through them, but you can go to like Beckett or Cardboard Connection if you're really interested to see what the specific odds for a player are. There has been 148 secondary market sales on these, so... It's not like nobody likes them. I guess I have some friends out there, Troy. <laughs> Biggest sale so far is $670 US for a Gretzky Lamplighter Auto. An Iserman sold for $419 US. And then a Lindros is the third highest selling $414. That's pretty cool. So those are my four favorite recent inserts. How did I do? You don't agree with my Lamplighters pick, but do you? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, ones? I'm not Lamplighters. I definitely. So my list does have, and I'm not going to. Go into it because you did a good job covering it. The 16-bit, and I also have the population count on my list. So my list, a little different. I don't go into as much depth as you do because you're crazy. I'm just going to tell you what they are and then if I have any pricing. And then I noticed one of them I completely forgot to do any research on, so that's pretty cool. My first favorite insert is out of 2020-21 SP Signature Edition Legends. I'm finally remembering how to say that. The UD Canvas Legends. I'm a sucker for canvases card or canvas cards. I think the pictures are always cool. Plus the cards themselves are a, a nice stock. So they're usually usually pretty decent. Sometimes there's issues with them. But I really like the cards. I'm gonna read Josh's note. 
The Gretzky, Yager, and Sackick images are awesome on these cards. I would have to agree. I think most of the images are just sweet. And you get legends. You have legends on these canvas cards, which I'm a sucker for. Or I should say, let's air quote that, legends and retired players will say because sure. sometimes we don't have, so we've talked about it before, some of these guys might not be legends. We're really using that loosely, but you know what I'm saying. You've Plus, seen those yeah. three specific ones? Yes. Like I the think Gretzky, the Yager might be my favorite. The Yager's cool. I like the Gretzky because he's holding that like award play. I don't know which award he's holding. Maybe the all. I bet it's the All-Star because he's in the All-Star jersey. He's got the award, and then there's like a 1980s car behind him or something. It just yeah. looks great. It's one of like 800,000 of the trophies and awards yep. that the NHL has. And it's like a platter, like you said. Yep. Reminds me of like what tennis players win. Yep. Is it, you ever watching like a tennis tournament? Oh, and yeah. They get like a teacup or something like that. It's like, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> What's that show? IT Crowd, where you can win the teapot on. I can't remember the name of the show, but anyways. All right, plus with these UD Canvas inserts, you can get autos too, which is really cool to get some of those autoed. And just really quick on pricing, there was a Gretzky auto of the UD Canvas Legends that sold for around 750 US dollars. And then I saw the Yager has sold around 370 US dollars. I did see one that was way higher than that, but I couldn't find it in Terra Peak. So I didn't, I don't know. I, it didn't look legit, but it was in another source. So I just left it. I'll say, wait this. a minute. So are you saying that people buy cards on eBay, but then don't pay for them? They do. They do. Unfortunately. Oh, wow. Unfortunately. Oh. Okay. They're mean. Good to know. Don't, we don't like that. All right. My second favorite insert, Josh already mentioned it, 16-bit. Very cool. I just, I think what really does it too is obviously the nostalgia for people our age and then just being unannounced and just, I think you sent me the picture. You're like, did you like see this? And it's like, holy crap, you know, we didn't even know about this. And they're just so cool, and they're just video games and everything. I love it. Does an Easter egg, or the fact that any inserts an Easter egg, does that kind of make it cooler to you a little bit that it was? It, it, just, I, it a, depends. Depends. I fall for the Easter egg thing all the time. If uh, if Upper Deck came to me, which I think they will probably soon, <laughs> and said, "Hey, Josh, we want to design an insert just for Troy, one that Troy will love." I don't know if I could do better than 16. Yeah, because that, 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 that is pretty good. Right up your alley. Yeah, right up my alley. And, you know, another thing with these Easter eggs, do you think Beckett and Cardboard Connection are like, come on, guys, seriously? Yeah. Because now they have to sit there and try to find them and up, update them. Or maybe Upper Deck eventually after a while tells them. Like, here they all are. All right, so that was my second one. My third one is out of 2022 23. OPG. It is the OPG Premier inserts. And I really am talking about the rainbow parallels out of 99. The I like rainbow both foil. Yeah. Is, that, is that what those are called? I don't know. I'm I'm so sick know. of parallel names because it seems like everyone just makes up their own what they think it is. So I'm gonna call them rainbow. One, I love the look of both of these cards, the parallel rainbow, the rainbow and the regular. You know, it's got that throwback design. It says OPG Premier. Really cool. The rainbows look absolutely fantastic they have like that i don't even can't even describe it like flashy background that really shines when you put under a good light the rainbows are out of 99 and like i said i've seen them called rainbows diamond rainbows i don't know what you want to call it but they look awesome so that's why they're on my list plus as we've mentioned with some other ones there's rookies in these too so you can get veterans but there's also rookie cards and so i just really really like the design of this hits all the boxes shiny throwback love it I liked last year's too. Those were the tall boys. 
and they did a foil. It wasn't numbered. It was more just like an SP, a foil, and a tall boy. The problem with those, though, is they're so hard to deal with. It's yeah. like they don't really fit in top loaders, and then they slide all over your I get penny sleeves, and then yeah. they slide all over your top loader. And so I, I like that this year they chose to go with just like the standard card yeah. design. I get mad at the those inserts because I'll be like doing the pack and they'll just fall out. Like you're going through the cards, they just fall mm-hmm. out from I'm like, oh, and you immediately just think you've damaged every corner on the card. But yeah, I get what you're saying. When I was looking at that values, it looks like a Maddie Beneers rainbow out of 99. I don't know what the actual serial number was. Sold for $125 on March 25th. Also, I've seen the Sikoski and the Kuzmenko rainbow inserts sell from mid-80s to upper 90s. Do you think they're going to change the Calder requirements and just give the trophy to Kuzmenko since Beneers hasn't scored a goal in like I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I get the rules, but man, I feel bad if you're I don't care. You're an old rookie. You worked your way up. You got in the NHL or you came over from overseas. You know, I, I think it's going to be that he's played pro before is what's going to get like. I know that rule is in there. There's something about so many years of professional hockey. All that. We're stuff. going to have like a, a Calder winner with like 21, 22, <laughs> 23 goals, something like that. And Kuzmenko is close to 40 now. Yeah. Yes. That's the, that's the way it goes. All right. My next insert, the one I did absolutely zero research on because I'm a bonehead. Forgot about it. 2022-23, I'm probably in the minority with this one, OPG playing cards. I love the playing cards. I think they're awesome. I like co- trying to collect the set. I have obviously collected a set. I don't buy enough, but I like putting them together and seeing what I got. I just think it's a really cool idea to throw these in the packs, and I like how breakers can use them because a lot of breakers mm-hmm. do use them for their – if they do, still do you know teams by cards, they pull these out. I just think they're great. They're cool. I love cards, like playing cards. At one point, I actually do kind of collect decks of cards, like unique ones I see out in the wild. I don't have really? a lot. I have like five, five or ten. But like, if I see like really cool steampunk decks of cards, I'll I'll buy those. I like those. If you I use them, I, I, number... I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say collect because I'll use them. We'll use them for our yeah. games and stuff. Like we play cribbage or something. How many collections do you have? <laughs> like, how many things do you collect? <laughs> I like collecting. I'm like a pack rat. Yeah, I'm kidding. Um, anyways, values on these, I I looked. Okay. I remember I was well, talking. There's almost more value in sets. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. That's the highest sell I could find was actually a full set. It was a pre-sale, too. So they didn't have them all yet. They probably were getting cases of cases. They were going to rip and put it together. $95.65 was the highest for the set I could find. And if you look, there's like the Connor McDavid sold for like 15 US dollars and no, I don't think any of the no. individuals go over $20 from what I saw. There's All two right. characteristics that I think are really cool about the playing cards. The first is that there is almost more value as a set than individually. Mm-hmm. That's pretty unique from an insert perspective. And then the second thing is the most variation year to year is on the back and the intricacy yeah. of the design on the card back. Uh, so I don't know. I just think that's kind of cool. Yep, for sure. All right. Next one is what you already talked about. Population counts. Agree. These kind of came out of, they kind of surprised me. When you saw the pictures, like, oh, those look cool. Once you kind of see them in person and I looked at them a little more, it does. They did the, it did the job really well. They went for a slab, they wanted the slab design look. I think it wins. I think it looks great. All right, my next one. So this might be my most controversial one. I'm probably going to get kicked out of the hobby for this one. But so 21, 22 Skybox Metal. All right, I'm just going to say it. I actually don't mind the cheddar. Metal picks and pitter patter. 
and I'm going to kind of state my thing here. I get it. Some people hate these. They don't like them. They think they're hokey. However, can I interrupt you for a minute? No, I just want to say no, goodbye to half. I just want to say goodbye to half our listeners before they leave. It's been really great having you on the ride. We've appreciated you listening, and hope you'll come back. At no, I'm going to say it. I okay. just I'm more of the thought that I like these because they're new and they tried. I just I I know they're a little hokey at times, but they're not popular. Probably I I don't think they're very popular, but I think more from the standpoint, hey. Try something new, and if it's new, make it fun. I mean, pitter patter, come on, it's Letterkenny. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for with the plaid. No, that they are. They are. Yeah. As we've gotten to know Billy a little bit, here's one thing I've learned: is that he likes to do inserts that are either a little bit off the wall or have a pop culture tie-in. And I think they need to actually communicate that a little bit more to people because he's told me about like one of my cards i just don't like in flagship i've never because i don't like portrait cards so upper deck portraits is not something that i would typically gravitate to but i think one year they did like a stepbrothers theme with it and they've done they've tried some like other crazy themes so i think if you actually knew what the theme was you might it doesn't mean you're gonna like the card more or less but you might get it at least a little bit and i'm not so much a fan of cheddar or the metal picks but I'm a huge letter candy fan and I kind of <laughs> like the pitter patter. And I also like to, what about the pitter patter is that it features enforcers. Yeah. It's the checklist is not, you're not getting Connor McDavid in a pitter patter. So I like that. They try to, maybe they need to find, I don't know if skybox is the right home. I don't have enough history. If skybox is the home for these, but maybe there is a set out there somewhere where they put all these fun ones. Maybe that get, makes some people happy and they're not like spreading them out, but these are all in skybox and, like the video of the guy playing the guitar with that metal pick card is just hilarious. And that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that stuff cracks me up. Now, these inserts also do have some parallels that you can go for. And again, I was trying to, I was thinking about something because like Hundo P, we know Hundo P didn't work. I, I didn't like didn't? Hundo. No, I didn't like Hundo P. I don't mm-hmm. think it came back. But I do like that even though it didn't work, they tried it. But with these two, the cheddar picks and pitter patter. They do have parallels you can try to get to. The Cheddar has a gold parallel out of 50. And with those, some OVs, there's McDavid's, Matthews have went for anywhere from 30-ish to 80-ish dollars. So that's that's your rate. I mean, but to me, it's kind of funny that a Cheddar card going for $80 just almost seems unreal. And I actually cracked up someone on eBay, listed out the Cheddars and put them in like a cheese wheel. It just looked funny to me. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if that was what they're going for, but it looks like a cheese wheel. Um, Skybox Metal Picks, they have a Spectrum parallel out of 25. And McDavid did sell for 175 US dollars. And I did see an OV sale for 100 US dollars. And then we have Pitter Patter. Those have a gold parallel out of 99. One of those, I can't remember who the player was, sold for net for $20. Every other Pitter Patter sale I've seen has been below 20 bucks. So you're not going to get too much value there or too much money from those. Our guy Revo has a Pitter Patter. Yep. Kirill's bodyguard out there on the ice. Okay, so realistically though, you don't th- do you think Cheddar Metal Picks or Pitter Patter's coming back? I would maybe maybe Pitter Patter just for the enforcer angle because they really don't. I mean, I like the enforcer angle of that. I'm not sure Cheddar Metal Picks come back. Maybe like 40 years from now, when your great grandkids are going through great grandpa Troy's old cars and they pull out this weird cheese card, then. <laughs> Might be worth something. Well, I think it's, I, I mean, I, I 
like I said, I like them. I like to try to do something new. I'm not collecting them. I'm not out buying cheddar cards. I'm not trying to make the set or anything. So I just want to make that clear. But I do like I, <laughs> there's just something about pop culture, trying new things that I really like. Well, that's the beauty of collecting is that yep. it's subjective and you collect what you love. And when you happen to love things that nobody else likes, you just get it cheaper, right? True. Okay, I want to make a quick mention for Slab Sharks. Their weekly auction ends tonight, the day our podcast is released. Per usual, Troy, there is a ton of cool hockey cards in this week's auction. Just highlighted a few of them on our Instagram stories. So there's a Makar Young Guns Clearcut BGS 10 Pristine. There's a 2014 The Cup Leon Dreisaitl True RPA out of 249 BGS 9.510. A couple of real cool 2020 The Cup cards. There's a Sweet Flyers Triple Auto Booklet out of nine with Lindros, Ron Hextall, and Rod Brindamore. There's also a really cool Mario Lemieux Gold Auto out of 10, or 12. It's out of 12. That's raw. And then a couple other ones I thought were kind of fun. is a 2017 Tage Thompson Future Watch Auto out of 9.99 BGS 9.510, and a 2019 Exquisite Collection, although not a rookie, in Austin Matthews patch auto out of 10 that's kind of amazing so they have tons of awesome cards you can find their auction link on their website at slabsharks.com if you're a canadian card collector and are looking to turn a card or two or 12 into cash you should consider using slab sharks for consigning them on ebay they take away all the hassle of selling your cards on ebay like dealing with buyer questions hustling for payment which let's face it is becoming a bigger and bigger issue on ebay we're going to have to dig into that at some point yeah. because when we're, rese- when we're researching cards, I'll, I'll look at like five cards in a row that haven't been paid. It's just crazy. They can also help ship your cards to the U.S. and expose your auctions to a bigger buyer pool in not only Canada and the U.S. So head to SlabSharks.com for info on their consigning services and to get started consigning your cards. We're going to roll into hobby news. Nothing major on the injury front to report, which I guess is good news. It does look like, though, Troy, your guy Ryan O'Reilly is still on track for the playoffs to be back. So we're all going to get O'Reilly for the playoffs. Kind of fun there. And then, Troy, it was a big moment this week, mm-hmm. I think. I think it was this week. The 2020 Kirill Kaprizov Young Gun PSA 10 pop count surpassed the 1990 Premier Yarmer Yager PSA 10 for the third highest pop count of any gem mint hockey card ever rated. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty uh pretty cool. <laughs> Sweet. It's the second highest PSA pop count for any hockey card. I think the highest pop count is actually a 1990 Yarmir Yager PSA 9, which has something crazy like 5600 pop count. Wow. So I think like 17 16 17,000 of those cards have been sent to PSA for grading. Ahead of Kaprizov though, Troy is the Connor McDavid Young Guns BGS 9.5 that has a pop count of 7620. There's an Austin Matthews right after that, BGS 9.5 Young Guns, 4,878 pop count. So ways to go for Kaprizov to get from number three to number two. If he keeps playing well, though, and with a meaty 66% gem rate that Kaprizov has on his Young Guns, PSA 10, there, there might be a chance that that happens. I see retailers all the time throwing 2020 retail boxes in their breaks. So I think there's a lot of wax still out there and plenty of room. Yeah, break, for breakers. Right, a lot of breakers are breaking 2020 retail. Most of you listeners probably know that Troy, our friend Troy, who likes cheddar and Skybox metal pick cards, <laughs> in addition to that, is the proud owner of this card and has the distinction of being in the 700 Club. 
I am. And no, it's not the Pat <laughs> Robertson 700 Club. But in this case, though, Troy, the 700 Club refers to the 25 out of 961 total buyers that have bought a Kaprizov Young Guns PSA 10 and paid more than $700. I like, that there's, I like that there's 24 more of us. Yeah, you should start a 700 Club support group. Okay, so as the representative, Troy, of the 700 Club, how does it feel to see your special card reach a not-so-unique distinction of being third-placed all-time for the highest pop count of any gem? Yeah, and I, I need one of those people to have lots of money and have like a burning event where they buy up a bunch of graded ones and burn it to try to lower the pop count, even though there's no way you could really do that because it's not like PSA would update the pop chart. You'd have to like document the serial number, yeah. but you're right, that won't happen. Pretty crazy, though, that a 2020 oldish, another oldish, right? Wild rookie has what 3,000? Yeah, some now PSA 10s on a value update. In case you're curious about the 2020 Caprice F Young Gun PSA 10, current value $243. So a little bit off from the 700 you paid. It's down 15% <laughs> in the past three months, 37% in the past six months. I think there's a Inverse correlation between pop count and value. Yeah, I need I need him to score like 200 goals in a season or something. We just need him back on the ice, but do we want him back on the ice? I don't know. The Wild are unstoppable without him. Patrick Ewing theory all over again. Okay, moving on, Troy. Connor McDavid is the first player to eclipse 140 points in a season since 1996. That's 27-ish years. Pretty long time, huh? At the the time we were recording, he's sitting at 143 points. With 60 goals, 83 assists in 75 games played. So they have seven games left in the season. There's a pretty good chance I think he gets to 150 points based on needs seven more points in seven games. That seems pretty easy given McDavid's status this year. I think 70 goals will look a little bit more of a stretch. I don't know if he'll score 10 goals in seven games, but I guess if anyone can do it, it would be McDavid. If he does get to 150 points, though, and we t- talked about this a little bit before. That's a really exclusive club mm-hmm. to be in. I think there's only, what, five players that have ever had 150 points. It was Gretzky, did it nine times, Lemieux four times, and then Iserman, Phil Esposito, and Bernie Nichols did it one time each. Most points ever in a season was Gretzky, who had 215 points in 1985, 1986. Most goals ever in a season, Troy's 92, again by Gretzky in 1981-82. So at McDavid's current total of 143 points, it already is the 22nd most points in an NHL season all time. I might have mentioned this before too, but I, when I'm kind of reading through this and looking at some of these numbers, I try to remind myself to take a minute here, smell the roses, appreciate what we're seeing with this guy, because what he's doing right now is truly historic. Running out of ways to throw more flowers at McDavid. (laughs) Looking at his 2015 Young Gun PSA 10 pop, another big pop Young Guns card, pop 2,477, last sold for 3,335 US dollars. Over the past couple months or couple weeks, it is down about 8%, but it's up 22% over the past three months. We do have one local card show shout out that we want to get to. This one is from Instagram and Big Shot JR. Look, we got your name right. There's a, a card show in Calgary this Saturday, so April 1st. 2023 called the Sports Card Show. It's at the Thorncliffe Greenview Community Association, 5600 Center Street North. So in Canada, have you ever noticed that they spell center instead of 
C E N P E R R E C E N T R E. I like the way they do it better. Ooh. Can we steal that from Canada? There you go. I think we should do that. So again, it's at 5600 Center Street North. It goes from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I think there is an admission fee. It's like $5 for adults, but kids 12 and under are free. And if you go and you're in Calgary, make sure that you tell everyone there to listen to the gong show. This uh, last piece is uh, very important. Yeah, it's still our number one market. Yeah, number one city for the gong show. Calgary, Alberta. It's time for the one of my favorite segments each week, the PWCC Weekly Hockey Preview. PWCC is a gong show partner and sponsor. We want to thank them for supporting our show. Each week, we take a look at our favorite cards from the current weekly auction, both vintage and then more modern cards. A small programming note, there will be no sports card live show and it would gong show sports card Jeremy Lee collaboration this weekend as I think Jeremy's traveling. Get the night off, I guess. Okay, Troy, let's take a look at our favorites. Start with vintage. I'm first on the list, so I'll go here. First one that really stood out to me is a 1984 OPG Doug Gilmore PSA 10. It is a pop of 56, 56 PSA 10s out of 1,530 graded. That is a 3.7% gem rate, so pretty small like you typically see in 80s OPG. Been seeing a lot of really nice early 80s OPG cards lately in the PWCC Weekly. A lot to choose from. I picked this one out because, well, number one, he's a legendary Hall of Fame player. And I think here's another guy that, have we talked about Gilmore at all? If anything, in, pass, in passing, not we haven't deep dived him or anything. So I decided it would be fun to do a little mini bio and talk about the card. I think whether or not you like to collect older vintage cards, hopefully we can all appreciate that the players of the past really kind of helped to create the opportunities of today for players like McDavid, Matthews, or Troy's guy, Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. So I always think it's fun to learn about these guys. With that said, here's a quick bio on Gilmore, if you're not that familiar. He was a seventh-round pick in the 1982 entry draft. Not quite like Andrew Desjardins, but <laughs> he was another guy who wasn't you know, limoed into the league as a first-round number-one draft pick. Gilmore had to prove himself to stick and excel at the NHL level. He played 20 seasons in the NHL, played for seven teams, the Blues, Flames, Devils, Blackhawks, Sabres, Canadians, and probably most notably the Toronto Maple Leafs. Won a Stanley Cup Troy in 88-89 with Calgary when the Flames beat the Canadians. It's the last time two Canadian teams have faced off in the Stanley Cup final, 1988-89. It seems like impossible. You ready for a fun fact? I'm ready. On Doug Gilmore? He was nicknamed Killer by a Blues teammate because he shares the last name of a serial killer, Gary Gilmore. Wow. It's kind of a creepy way to yeah. get your nickname. But also kind of fit his playing style, the, the nickname Killer, as he's a real small guy but played a very physical game. Sort of fit in that regard. Career-wise, Gilmore had 450 goals, 964 assists for... 1,414 points in 1,474 games, just shy of a point-per-game scorer. Last sale on an 84 OPG Gilmore Pop 10, or PSA 10 Pop 56, was January 14th for 800 US. All-time high is 2,950 in December 2020. So big swing between all-time high and last sale. Uh, Do you have a current bid on this one? 675 US dollars. So it'll definitely go for more than 800. I don't know. It seems a tough hill to climb to get to yeah. 3,000. I don't think it's getting that. Yeah, that 29.50. I don't think we're getting there. Okay, Troy, you got the next card that were stood out to us? 
I got the next one. It is a 1959 Parkhurst Toe Blake, number 27, PSA 9. The PSA population on this card is 8, and only one is graded higher than this PSA 9 card. All right, I'm back to my Parkhurst cards now. I, I think I took, a, I took a couple shows off maybe, but here we are, 1959 Parkhurst card. You will see the image of the card is Toe Blake in his coaching attire. So not a player card. This is a coaching attire, and we've talked about this. I never know how I feel about coaches' cards. I don't think I'm that big of a fan of them, but this one is pretty cool just for who the subject is and also the picture where he's got his hat on, his whistle around his neck, and the Canadian jacket is really sweet. I would love to have a Canadian jacket like that. It looks really cool. So it sets kind of this overall. What kind of hat is that? What, what are I, I was gonna. I tried to look it up, and I couldn't remember. I want to say like. A, oh, now I can't even. A, it's kind of like a. Beret. We're both gonna say the same word. Is it beret? Ridiculous. Like a beret no, or a. It reminds me of a Kangol hat, but it's not one of those. Oh, a Kangol. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. Someone will tell us. I'm not. As you might have noticed, I'm not a fashion expert, so I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, but. Well, this is a fashion podcast. Yeah, fashion so. podcast. I do love this card, though. I love the tone. It's like I said, you look at it, you say, hmm, that looks like the 50s or maybe 60s. I don't know. But it's just a really cool picture. Card itself, it looks really nice. It's in a PSA 9 holder, obviously. Corners look great. Maybe not exactly 50 50 centering, but really close. And there looks like there might be some slight, fur- like really small spots of fraying on the edges, but it still looks really nice. I won't. I'm not going to sit there and vouch for the PSA 9, even though it's in a PSA 9 holder. It looks to me like a PSA 9, but who knows? You and Jeremy, you should go more into that kind of stuff on that show. But you're not having one this week, so <laughs> you won't get to talk about it. And then here's the funny thing. So I'm going to do a little quick bow. I, I wasn't playing on it, but I then I started researching him. So his full name was Joseph Hector Toe Blake. And Toe's the nickname. Wow. Sorry, I should have said that Toe was the nickname. And he was a player for the Montreal Canadiens. And then after his playing days were done, became the head coach of the Canadiens. Now, he got his nickname Toe because his little sister couldn't really say Hector. She would always say Hector. And so they just they used Toe and made that his nickname. But his previous nickname was the Old Lamplighter, which I just <laughs> just cracks me up thinking about that. But now he's known as Toe Blake. Maybe they need a lamplighter insert. Yeah, maybe they, the I lamp just lighter. thought of that when you said that. Boy, would that be an Easter egg if they put in a Toe Blake lamplighter to see if anyone caught it? That'd be sweet. All right. I mean, forget Connor Bedard and the hobby would just go insane. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. In 577 games played, Blake had 235 goals, 294 assists for 529 points. He's a Hall of Famer, three-time cup winner as a player, one-time Hart Trophy winner. As a coach, Blake had an overall record of 500 wins, 255 losses, and 159 ties in 914 games coached. As a coach, he won eight Stanley Cups with five of those being in a row. So that's the quick bio. Now this card, the last sale and card letter I could find for a PSA 9 copy was $262 US on January 26th of 2021. Currently, current bid on this card is $175 US. So I'm thinking there's a good chance it might break that 262, which was just the You're last. Saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Okay, last vintage card we're going to chat about in this week's PWCC Weekly Auction is I'm going to go back to the early 80s. This one, Troy, is a 1982 OPG Ron Francis PSA 10 Pop 45. 
huge sucker for Whalers cards. And this is what maybe the biggest Whalers rookie you could probably mm-hmm. argue. Would you be in favor? I'm just going to go out there and say this, that can we just change the name of the wild to the Minnesota Whalers and have the Whalers Jersey and branding, even though there's never been a whale <laughs> even remotely near Minnesota, but that worked with the Lakers, right? Cause the Lakers yeah. were in Minneapolis and then went to LA. There's no lakes in LA. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I love the Whalers. Yeah, you know, the Whalers are cool, but I I want them to be in Hart. I want the Hartford Whalers back. There's the Connecticut Whalers, which is the women's team, but need the Hartford yeah. Whalers back. Number one would be to get the North Stars back. But, yeah. Okay. I digress. Francis is, of course, a Hall of Fame player. He played 23 seasons in the NHL for the Whalers, Penguins, Hurricanes, and Maple Leafs. He's fifth all time in scoring with 1,798 career points and 1,731 games played. He has 549 goals, or more than 500 goals, and 1,249 assists. He's second Troy all-time in assists, just 714 behind Wayne Gretzky. And as a note of context, of of any active player, Sidney Crosby has the most assists right now with 946. His 549 goals ranks 29th in NHL history. And while he's fifth all-time in scoring, he's also fifth all-time in most games played. Kind of evens that out maybe a little bit. He did win the Stanley Cup in 91 and 92, so he must have been part of the uh, thrashing of the North Stars by the Penguins, looks like there. Francis won a Selkie Trophy, Lady Bang King, and the King Clancy Trophy as well. Currently, Troy, the GM of the Seattle Kraken. Yep. So do you think Ron Francis is the guy that green-lighted Bowie as the mascot? He would have had to have been, right? I don't know. GM's not? I don't know if GM's... Is that a marketing? Yeah, that's might be a market. I don't know if GM's get into the whole mascot stuff, but he's definitely involved with uh, naming the Shane Wright press box. Mm, Shane Wright Memorial press box. It's just a uh, an amazing card from a legendary player. Looking at comps on the 1982 OPG, Ron Francis, PSA 10, top 45. Last sale was in early December for $600. US What's weird about this is that the only sales prior to that were in 2021, and they were 1850 1650 and 1625 So either he's lost what, two-thirds almost of his value in the past two years, or maybe that 600 U.S. sale was a little bit of an outlier. All-time high was 2,032 U.S. in February 2021. So what's the current bid on this, Troy? 500 U.S. dollars. So it's already with buyer's premium at 600, yeah. so definitely going for more than 600. Okay, we're going to switch to the modern side. And first one that I've highlighted here is a 2019 OPG Platinum Kale McCarr Retro Blue Rainbow out of 149, PSA 10. It's a population of 10. We talk, Troy, about all the time about finding desirable cards that have low replaceability. If you want to kind of zag away from investing in young guns. I'm a big fan of OPG Platinum and have always liked the retro designs. Do you typically like the retro designs of Platinum? Yes. There's a big following, obviously, for OPG Platinum 2 and the hobby. Cards are already pretty... F- fairly scarce at out of 149 but when you have the psa 10 element where there's a pop 10 that even makes it a little bit more rare another reason why i like this card is the entry point for investment is about the same as a young guns psa 10 and Macar's young guns psa 10 is a pop of 1941 right so this is a card that's a, the raw is out of 149 and the psa 10 is a pop out of 10 that's a big difference in rarity for that card just to illustrate that a little bit more, so the 2019 OPG Platinum Retro Blue Rainbow PSA 10 out of 149, 510 was the last sale in June. 
Now, his 2019 Young Gun PSA 10, again, popped 1,900-something. Last sale was 535 earlier yeah. this month. So the last sale of the Platinum Retro Blue Rainbow was actually less than a PSA 10, where you're comparing a pop count of 10 to a pop count of 1,911. I don't know. I just think it's a cool card. All right, you're next. Oh, what's the current bid on this? 140 US dollars. Dang. <laughs> I have to get on that. People are sitting back. Okay, Troy, you... uh. You find the weird ones, that's for sure. Let's I don't know go. if this is the weird one, or this might be the greatest card in PWCC ho- hockey auction history. All right. You, is this going to set a PWCC <laughs> record? Is that what you're saying? No, I, d- I highly doubt it. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, I'll, I'll read the card first. It is a 1988 Upper Deck Choice Mini Bobbing Head Wayne Gretzky PSA 10. Population, this is one of six. Here's the deal. I'm a sucker for cards that make me stop and say, what in the world did I just look at or did I just see? So let's look at this card. You want to talk about craziness. What made me stop is you look at the card and you have a big picture of Gretzky's head on the right side with a kind of a generic looking pose of a cartoon player taking a shot. However, this player taking the shot has no head and that's on the left-hand side of the card. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Look closer. Now you can see the head image and the body image have preparations that are actually meant to pop them out. You're supposed to push them in, pop them out of this card. So that gives you the name. You're you're starting to put this together, the mini bobbing head card name. You got the big head. You got this, I don't know, we'll call it the player's body base. You can tell something's going to happen with this. But let's look at the front of the card. On the front of the card also, there's a hockey quiz section. And there's a it's ask you a question. And then the answer, it says, is on the inside of Wayne's head. And I thought, okay, that's pretty weird. But it is truly on the inside of Wayne's head, because if you turn the card, if you pop out his head and turn it over, it's the answer's not there. This isn't a two-sided thing. It's like a, I don't know what you want to call it, three or four-sided. It's got the little, like, cro- you pull out the sections. It makes, like, an X, so it's a little more sturdy and can stand on its own. So the answer of the quiz question is in his head. I thought that was just hilarious. So once you turn the card over now, there are instructions on the back how to build the little player and put his head on. And he has additional flaps you can pull out, makes it like a little stand. And then you put his big head on, and now you have your bobbing head Gretzky card. I think it's just so unique, and I loved looking at this thing. Now, look at So this was a card that was intended to be destroyed. Oh, yeah, for sure. And someone... Someone had the, <laughs> I don't know what they had, but they're like, oh, I'm going to keep this and get it slapped in a PSA 10. It's it's just, it's hilarious to me all around. The card looks great from the images. It's just a unique card that is pretty cool. And I haven't seen anything like it before. So I had to look at it. I couldn't find a PSA 10 sale on this thing, but I did find a BGS 9.5 sale on April 13th, 2022 for a whopping $34.99. Right now, this card is at 14 US dollars. Have at it. What's a low pop? 90s insert? Did Frank feature this one on his masterclass? <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. I don't think Frank put this one in the masterclass. If I won this, I'm so cracking it and <laughs> popping it out and building it. Destroying Wayne Gretzky's head. Okay, last card that we want to feature in this week's PWCC Weekly Auction is a 2019 The Cup Adam Fox True RPA out of 249 BGS 8.5. I think it's always exciting when you can pick up a True RPA of a really young, fascinating player like Adam Fox. And he kind of meets the criteria, Troy, of the new wave offensive blue liners that the hobby has been targeting over the last few years. 
doesn't hurt either, I guess, that he plays for the Rangers, an original six team. Fox is a 25-year-old defenseman in his fourth season in the NHL. On the season, he has 11 goals, 56 assists for 67 points in 74 games played. His 11 goals is ties his career high from last year, so if he gets another goal, I guess he would set a new career high there. Points-wise, he'd have to go on kind of a run because he's a little bit down from last year where I think he had like 74 points or something like that. I don't know. You know, Fox hasn't quite had the jump this year that maybe some had hoped he would, but they really loaded up. The Rangers did for the playoffs, adding Tarasenko and Patty Kane. They also have Shesterkin in net. So I don't know if they go on like a run and Fox plays pretty well, racks up a bunch of assists, maybe scores a few goals. You might be able to flip this card in the playoffs. What really stands out to me, though, Troy, is the patch. It's awesome. It's a three-color Rangers patch. There's three breaks, which I think is important to a lot of collectors. I also like the design of the 2019 The Cup RPA. It's very clean. I'm a kind of a minimalist in my card designs. just think it's a really nice card. Didn't find any sales on a BGS 8.5, but I did find a couple on a BGS 9.5 that had sold for like 755 US was the last sale in December. Rothy's going in the three to $400 range. So I don't know. Maybe this is like a $400, $500 card, something like that. Do you have the current bid? Current bid is $185 US dollars. And I got a comment on this card. I know we talk about this all the okay. time. We talk about this a lot. Adam Fox, please work on your autograph. If this is what your current autograph still is, it looks like it says AMP. Yeah, I have an exquisite. <laughs> I get it. You, it's a little weak. You sign it's a, a ton. You, tie, you sign a ton. Your hand probably hurts. But this, I don't know. It just looks like it says AMP, A-M-P, <laughs> but, but I get it. It's his autograph. All right. To check out all the cards in this week's PWCC Weekly Auction, there's over 300. Head to pwccmarketplace.com. Okay, Troy, there's a lot going on in new product releases. First, I want to start with 2021 SPX that came out today, Wednesday. You know me, scurried down right to our local card shop the moment it opened and Got us our box of 2021 SPX. First pack opening video is live right now on both TikTok and Instagram. Second one might be live by the time the podcast is released. I guess here's my instant reactions, Troy. Overall, as we know from reviewing the checklist, it's a four-card box with four packs. So it's one card per pack. The prevailing thought as to why they did it that way is so that card shops could sell individual packs, open a box, and sell packs that way. That's the, really the only thing that kind of makes sense. Paid 130 US at our LCS for our box. I think overall the cards are pretty cool. Similar mix of technologies like you get with Synergy, kind of like a real techie vibe, I would say. A lot of the cards, like if you want to like make the Synergy comparison, a lot of the cards in SPX are thicker. So we're, we're thinner. the Synergy ones tend to be a little thin. And there's more, I think, memorabilia mixed in to SPX than with Synergy. So, yeah, I don't know if Synergy had a cousin that was thicker and had more memorabilia. It might be SPX, but that's kind of what it reminded me of. I think, Troy, like with any four-card box, your satisfaction or return on investment is going to be determined less about what card type you pull or hit and more by the player on that the checklist, right, of, of whatever subset card that you pull. It can be a really expensive box if you hit dud rookies, or you could have a big ROI if you get a Wayne Gretzky or Cole Caulfield or Something like that within uh, SPX. You do get four chances, though. So, like, unlike clear cut, which, so I kind of put this like in the gambler 
mm-hmm. class of of boxes and clear cuts one and done right you get one card and i think we got i got like tyson berry <laughs> auto and you got like a jake gensel out of 10 right yeah. so you did fine yeah. on your bot and you got like a henrik zenerberg yeah i just got smoked on my clear cut last year I'm not going to give away our cards. And so kind of keeping on the, well, you get four packs. Our box was very much salvaged on that last pack. You know, not being a one and done kind of helped us in in this regard. We'll wait a couple of weeks to give our value and collector ratings on 2021 SPX. Kind of let it settle a bit, digest everything, see what secondary market sales look like. But yeah, I mean, I like the cards. They're pretty cool. Here's one of them. See, Troy? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think they look. They Doesn't look it remind you of Synergy a little bit? A little bit. bit. That was that a die cut one you just showed? Uh no, oh. because it's got a PETG on the side. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then here's the kind of the meh one. This is a great podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, good. Showing me, <laughs> showing me cards on video that no one can see. Yeah. Okay, we'll stop that now. Okay, got to talk real quick about UD two series two that comes out now in about a week. So kind of curious to see where your head's at. Are you excited for Series 2 or I'm, where are you at at this given moment? I'm excited because I'm always excited about a new product. Don't know if I'm that excited about the checklist or the rookies, the young guns, but it is what it is. I am looking forward to buying boxes. I th- I'm excited for just a new release. We'll say that. I was thinking about this theory today with the current rookie class. And I wonder if the hobby is so distracted with the thought of Bedard incoming that we're kind of just washing over this rookie class and be like, yeah, 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 get the cards out. Bedard comes soon. If there was no Connor Bedard and it was just a bunch of names that relatively nobody had heard of, how depressed right now do you think we would be about <laughs> this rookie class? Uh, yeah, maybe. I forgot, though. I am I am excited about one card, the Lunchbox Legends. I know. Lunchbox Legends. I forgot about them. I can't keep which cards and what release, but I had to look it up. I'm excited about that. I thought you were going to say your Bowie Young Guns. Oh, Bowie Young Guns, for sure. Like, But I'm going to buy that. I'm just going to go out and get that. <laughs> Greatest Young Gun ever. The, Bowie. The part I'm stick on or stuck on with UD2 is the price here in the U.S. It's bugging me, man. Yep. Kind of bumming me out, too. Pre-sales are everywhere. still about 120 U.S. dollars. You can't even really blame, I don't think, Upper Deck, because if you go to Canada, they're... 130 Canadian, which correlates to $95 US. So is it just everybody here marking this up for what feels like no apparent reason? I don't, I don't know. And, and the checklist isn't that great. The young guns, there's no, I mean, I don't know. Do you think any of these young guns will go for 80 or $100 out of the gate? I don't. I think Wyatt Johnson. I was just saying, Wyatt Johnson. Yeah, Wyatt Johnson was the one that popped to my head, but you're much better at the value stuff. And this is just me, right? So I, I'm not saying that anyone else feels this way or the market will react similarly. But to me, when like flagship is around $100 or less, like I, I want to dig in because mm-hmm. I love opening flagship and I just want to rip it. At 120 I start to think, well, what else could I buy yeah. for 120 bucks? right? Is there, would I rather have a box of artifacts or something like that than a box of flagship? So I feel like the price is going to come down in the U.S. I, I just don't think it's going to sell as well here for $120 as it would for 100 But, hey, that's just me. So, good thing we're going to the Expo in a few weeks yep. and we can just get our Series 2 fix in in there. 
I've heard, Troy, that after UD2, that we're looking at 2021-22 SB Authentic, which could be the next hockey release from Upper Deck. Right now, the holding date that I'm seeing is April 19th, so that would be a couple weeks after Series 2 comes out. There's no checklist out as of right now, which isn't surprising in that you'd normally expect it, like, what, 10 to 14 days prior to the release. I'm assuming the Caulfield Future Watch Auto will be the big chase, but with his injury and up and down play from other rookies, it'll be kind of interesting to see how the initial values fare compared to the 2020 class that came out last summer. I'll probably end up doing some comparisons about that, but my bet is Caulfield, Zegras, and Cider are the top three Future Watch Auto values. Would you agree with that? Or yeah, uh, no, no, I, I would agree with that. I think it's kind of cool. I'm waiting for the first mailbag question that says. Do you think Upper Deck's releasing too many products at one time? <laughs> Just wait for yeah. the total flip. Like, we've talked about this 100 times. They have to do this. I'm glad they're doing this. They're getting caught up. We love it. There's new hockey product coming out all the time. But I was just thinking to myself and kind of laughing, when's the first mailbag question going to come and be like, could you tell Upper Deck to slow down? Kind of along that vein, I was thinking today how cool the Expo is going to be. Right? Yeah. With all these releases yeah. that have come out, there's going to be 2020 The Cup. There's going to be a bunch of SP Legends. Series 2 will be new. We'll have SPA that comes out, what, what the day before the Expo starts? We hope. Yeah, we hope. Kind of can't wait for that. Last thing a new product releases, though, Troy, is in my doing my research today, I did stumble upon on Steel City some pre-sale pricing for 2023-24 Series 1, which has a holding date of November 1st right now, which could have Connor Bedard Young Guns. And there is some retail... SKUs that had pre-sales on there and wanted to run those by you. Only there wasn't any hobby right now. So a blaster right now you can get for 25 US dollars, which seems pretty normal. I think they're around 20, right? At Target or Walmart or something like that. But the retail tins right now are pre-selling for 60 US dollars, which seems really high to me. And I went and checked Target and last release, so series one, they're 30 bucks right now. So Double the uh, what a current uh, flagship tin goes for. I hope that's not an indication of what these are going to be priced at. Okay, I really hope. But am I just an idiot? Because to me, there's no way Bedard's in Series One, right? He's got to get drafted and he's got to play an NHL game. There's no way they could. I guess we talked about this with. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I keep getting conflicting things where people say he he has to be in Series One and then. But I kind of, the timeline to me is more indicative of Series 2. So I'm a little confused on on that too. Another thing I noticed on pre-sales, Troy, are these like starter packs that are pre-selling for $20. US It's not something new. They do these every year. And you get like a pack of one, so it'll be 12 cards and one pack of Series 1 next year. But then you get like a binder and like a poster and a collecting guide I don't know. I just maybe I wonder if they're really going to pump those things out, expecting that there's going to be a lot of interest in the hobby and new people joining in. I wonder if we're going to see a lot of starter packs at Target and Walmart. I did. I did go through the sell sheet, though, and I, I found an error in the starter kit or starter kit is what they're called. Uh, it looks like Billy forgot to include the Hockey Cards 101 podcast series promo in the sell <laughs> sheet. I'm sure that the that has to be a mistake, right? Because it'd be crazy. Not to include it in the starter kit, don't you think? Yeah, no kidding. Come on. So I'm sure an official apology from Upper Deck will be coming there. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, so that's new product releases. SPX came out today. We'll probably watch a bunch of breaks and kind of see, again, how people are reacting to it. We've got 
Series 2 next week, and then right on the heels of the Expo, SPA try. going to be nutty. Oh, I should mention, too, SPA, the current pre-sale pricing is about 250 a box, mm. which is pretty similar to what it was last year. So, again, why is oh, Series I feel, 2? No, I feel, wasn't it, I feel uh, SPA was more last year, wasn't it? I thought it was like 350 Or 300 Yeah, so why is Series 2 20% more? I don't get it. Yeah. I just don't get it. Okay, let's go to listener mailbag. So, Troy, first question from Instagram, Tucker's Cards. Nicholas Backstrom, most underrated player in the last 20 years? Okay, so I'm going to assume that, Tucker, that you're talking about from like a hobby perspective. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Is he talking about, he never says which Nicholas Backstrom. Is he talking about the Washington Capitals Nicholas Backstrom? Or what about the Minnesota Wild goalie legend Nicholas Backstrom? Oh, yeah. He must be talking about the Capitals. (laughs) I'm joking. Yes, he's, he's talking about the Capitals guy, I'm sure. I don't know if he's the most underrated player in the... In the likes of like Stamkos and Pasta and all these other guys we talk about all the time, I don't know if I would put Backstrom's been a good player. He won the cup with Ovi. That injury issues, right? He had that crazy hip surgery yeah. that he came back from this year. I, I just don't think he is underrated from a hobby perspective. Do you? From a, so I always get these questions always confuse me because he says underrated. I know we're a hockey card show. But is he just saying maybe underappreciated as a player in the NHL? Maybe. He's definitely had longevity. Definitely had a great career. I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer to that. From the hobby side, I think there's more guys that are underrated from a yeah. hobby slash value perspective. I'm going to go with no, but he's a great player. And there's a lot of hobby guys that could use a lot more love. And we talk about that all the time. All right. Next question from the Gong Show Discord. Philadelphia Flyogram. Can't recall if you've been asked this before, but what? Is your single favorite card that you own? Doesn't have to be the most valuable card either. Bro, you want to go first? I'll go first. The single favorite card that I own is my 1983 OPG Pelly Lindbergh. It's in a PSA 9 slab. I've talked about this card a lot. It's my favorite hockey card ever. I love it and by far my favorite. Okay, for me, it's a 1990 Upper Deck Sergei Fedorov Young Guns PSA 10. It's the when I was 13 years old when this came out. It's the hockey card that I coveted the most. And it's the card that really drew me into the hockey hobby. And so certainly not the most valuable card out there, but I've always loved that card and I always will. From Instagram, Viking Werewolf. What are your opinions on the hype slash cost ratio of current and upcoming products in relation to incoming and former incoming star rookies like Bedard or Lafreniere? I think what he's trying to refer to here is how much does hype impact price and probably both the wax side and singles for really chased hyped kind of rookies like Bedard and Lafreniere fall into that. Hype is a huge factor, right? You're you've got stardom, superstardom, legendary status kind of baked in for the pricing when these guys first come out. We saw in the case of Lafreniere, it didn't exactly has or hasn't worked out that way to this point. And it's probably, and this is something we should start talking about in the months now leading up to the Bedard Young Guns chase is what if, I'm just saying, what if he's not that good next year? I mean, or because and when I say not that good, I don't mean bad, but if there's going to be $1,000 raw Young Guns cards right away, I mean, what does that say? I mean, you're, you're kind of saying this is a guy that is as good as or better than McDavid. What if he's kind of an average rookie year. What if he has a Maddie Beneers rookie season? It's going to be bad for the market. So not that he cares about hockey cards, 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's some potential risk yeah. involved as far as like market values go in in this too, because of that thousand dollars or eight hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or four hundred dollars, whatever the Bedard costs, what isn't eighty five ninety percent of that's going to be speculation and hype, mm-hmm. right? I just think it goes the other way. He scores five goals in the first week. <laughs> yeah, then sell, sell, sell. Okay, next question from Instagram. HOF Hockey Cards. How many insert sets is too many for a release? Feels like too many devalues the pack hits. Hey, Troy, you want to take this one? I agree with his last part. I do agree that it feels like too many devalues the pack hits. And it was funny because actually Frank Porco mentioned and Josh, you have to keep me on track here, on his late 90s insert masterclass, where I believe it was when he started talking about the 99-2000 release, that the inserts yeah. were almost out of control. I mean, they were out of control. Like almost 50, Yeah, right? some Didn't crazy, I, 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 yeah, I want to say like anywhere like from 30 to 50 inserts were being released, and that's insane. And he kind of touches on this. I definitely believe that too many devalues the product, as there are just too many to chase. But again, I always feel collectors just gravitate towards a couple and then leave the rest to the wayside, which we've kind of seen. Now, I don't know what that number is. What What is too many? I don't know. Maybe five is where we start. And then once you start creeping up into the double digits, maybe that's where you get to too many. It's a delicate balancing yeah. act, right? Because collectors don't want packs that are just base, yep. right? You want packs with a lot of hits. But if every hit is super valuable, then nothing can be valuable because value is based in large part on scarcity, mm-hmm. right, of certain cards. And so it's a it's a tough balancing act. I think that if a pack has two hits, that it's generally good. And it, it is nice having, like, and go back to our insert conversation. One of the things that I really like about SP Legends signature edition, right? Get the full name out there is there's so many ways to make that box work, right? So if you pull an all time future watch auto and, or an auto, that's a Decagon or some maybe card you wouldn't have loved. You can get a all time future watch acetate or some other kind of uh, one of the, like the evolve numbered, or I don't know if they're, I haven't had the checklist memorized, but there's just lots of ways to make a box work where Again, we use this as the example all the time on SB Authentic is in the third pack, if you pull a dud Future Watch Auto, it's like, why open the rest of the cards yeah. at that point, right? Because there's just nothing that's going to kind of make, unless you get a box that is like eight autos or some sort of packing a collation errors. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. Instagram, speedy justice for you. What do you think Bedard's Young Gun PSA 10 pop count hits after a year? Okay, so we've been asked a value question a ton. This is the first, I think, pop question, so I was pretty excited for for this one. I think it's really fascinating to think through. So 12 months after it comes out, what is the PSA 10 pop count of the Bedard Young Guns? Now, it could if it's Series 1, it might be well, lower. that's the thing. Let's, let's go off And if it's Series 2, yeah, it might be higher. That'll be interesting. So you're, you're, you're making bets on two things, basically, the gem rate <laughs> and the... The pop count. Yeah, all right, throw a number out there, Troy. What's your best guess? My best guess after a year, I'm a little more less. I don't know if optimistic is the right word that you're that I'm gonna say for you, but I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say a thousand to twelve hundred. I'm going twenty. Yeah, you're going huge. Which you might be right. I think the chase is gonna be crazy. Yeah. I just think it's gonna be unprecedented. So I'm banking on. A, I'm banking on a fifteen percent gem rate. Basically, is what I need to happen. 
Okay, last question this week is from Facebook. Bill Filer, I think is his name. Having the recent 90s inserts masterclass with Frank Porco. If you haven't listened to it, by the way, you should go back and listen. It's amazing. Frank did an awesome job. Have either of you gone and picked up any 90s inserts? And Bill says, I really like the 96-97 Metal Universe armor plate. It's a goalie set to 12. So have you, since the Porco Masterclass, bought any 90s inserts? I have not, but I've been favoriting them on the PWCC Weekly Auction to see where they are ending up at. And if they're in my range, I might make an offer on a couple. And I've looked at some other platforms too, but I haven't went out to eBay and said, I specifically want this one, which I need to do. It's just, I, I seriously want to take like three days off of work and just go through checklist after checklist and find all these cards that I really want and then buy them. I think we mentioned this before, but this podcast has made it a little bit hard to be a hockey card collector because we spend most of our free time trying to produce a show that hopefully you all like. I have made a couple offers on some that I haven't been accepted yet, so can't disclose anything there. But remember, we used to have a personal pickup segment where we every week we would go through yeah, me, all the cards. Should, we I t- should I say the one I got? I know that that's why I'm kind of teeing this up, because you have a pretty big and I think amazing personal pickup that I believe you got at a steal price. And I know you're not going to intending to sell it, but it's going to 10 years from now, it should be worth a lot. Well, yeah, I got so I picked up off of eBay in an auction the 2020 21. SP Signature Edition Legends, Mike Bossy, all-time future watch. I think it's a black parallel is what they call it, out of 10. Autographed. And it looks awesome. I was super pumped to get it. I ended up paying the card price, I want to say, was 410 US dollars after the auction was all said and done. Again, I will never sell this card. It's going in my case with my other Bossy autographs. But I am super pumped, and I think I got a decent price there. There's not a lot of sales. I think 380 to somewhere in there. But I just think for how hot this product is and how this card looks, there's a little fray on the top on the back, but the front looks great, and it doesn't matter to me because I'm never going to have the back of the card showing. But I am super pumped to get this card. Yeah, it's out of 10. Yeah. So you wouldn't imagine there'd be a lot of sales and hopefully a bunch of people that pull it are just going to keep it well that is our show for you for this thursday if you like the episode please leave a rating review on apple spotify or whatever podcast app you listen to us on have you noticed Troy, that we're at 99 i did five star reviews on spotify we've been wayne gretzky yeah we've been gretzky we need to get over 100 or we need to get to 100 at least somebody get us to 100 that would be awesome we would be grateful for that if you love the show and would like to support us and want to chat with us on the regular on the Hockey Cards Gong Show Discord server, please consider a $5 a month donation via Patreon. You can find the link to our Patreon on our website, HockeyCardsGongShow.com, or go to the Patreon website, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. There's also a link in the show description for whatever podcast app you're listening to us right now, or if you're listening to us on YouTube, which is kind of growing like crazy lately, which is fun. And there's finally, there's a link to our Patreon in our link tree, which you can find in our Instagram and TikTok profiles. If you're not following us on social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, Hockey Cards Gong Show. And Troy, the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a production of Dollar Box Ventures, LLC. We'll see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend.